everybody. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a really good topic today, which is um, raising children. And what the Bible says, what C.B. Baker and the rest of the world <laughs> thinks. And then we can go from there because I will tell you something, Dr. Daniels. Um, my view of kids definitely have changed since having kids and you know how people always say you never you just don't know because you don't have kids and that would be the one to be like you know you know what you, you, you got to do this you got to do that you know but I didn't have kids now mm-hmm. that I got kids now I completely understand but welcome to the show Dr. Daniels uh, thank you and it's, a, it's always a pleasure and and you, you know you're right children um, they're not little people and that's kind of how we kind of look at them at times you know before you have a child you think of them as being just little people, but but they're not just little people. Uh, they they are uh, children, and they have to be treated as such. And and you know um, every child is going to be an adult, and 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 so how we deal with our children really does impact our future, uh, because that's how they develop into becoming what will create a world that's better for all of us. Now, I have been. Um I'm guilty of of watching the wrong things on TV mm-hmm. or playing the wrong type of music around kids. And then you realize real fast, Pastor, that a kid's brain is really like a sponge. Mm-hmm. Like they take they take in stuff like you may hear certain words said around the house that you ain't supposed to say. Mm-hmm. You know, that's four letter words. You know, you drop something on the floor. Next thing you know, when your two year old hear it, that's what they're saying all day long. Absolutely. You know, so what is some of the advice, Pastor, that you can give us um, on in the early years you know, and, and not infant, of course, but in the mm-hmm. toddler years of of raising kids. Well, you know, I would even say in the infant years, too, um, you know, just here's the thing. If you consider uh, what the Bible says about um, parenting, right, the Bible says that blessed is the man, um, that, that children are in heritage of the Lord. They are heritage of the Lord and blessed is the man that has his quiver full of them. It also says that children are to a, a parent like a, a bow and arrow is to a strong man. In mm. other words, you know, uh, a strong man can take that bow and arrow and, and, and use it uh, for valor, you know, for, for good, for evil. And the way they train that bow is, you know, is the impact that that bow will have or that arrow will have on, on right, folk. Right. And, and children are the same way. And so that process of, of training um, the child really takes place from birth. You know, oftentimes we don't view it that way, but it really does. As you said yourself, they're like a sponge. So even in infancy, they're picking up on cues from us. You know, from the moment a child is born, he recognizes if he cries, he gets a result. He recognizes who gives him the result. He recognizes what you do, all those kind of things. I'm saying he, but, you know, he or she. Right, right. And so even from infancy, you know, the way you talk to your children, the reading to your children, um, the attention you show your children has a, a vast impact. How you affiliate your children with other people, you know, also has a great impact you know, on the child. Um, and I'm, I can tell you, you, you can readily tell children that have um, experiences 
uh, good experiences with groups of people, by the way they respond in groups. You can tell children that have been isolated by how they deal, you know, their, their, their shyness. You can tell children that have been spoiled, you know, by what they expect and how they talk back. Right. And so all those things are evident, but there are things that develop and it is a, a process that happens basically from birth. Yeah. I know I have noticed myself when I'm raising my, my kids that I can see the flaws without lack of better words in my, mm-hmm. in my own upbringing, mm-hmm. because I'd be like, well, I was able to do this when I was a kid. So no big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, like and now it's October, you know, Halloween is coming up. So there's a lot of horror movies and scary movies on, mm-hmm. you know, on TV. Mm-hmm. And I may watch something that's like a PG 13 and my four year old is sitting there beside me watching it. I'm not thinking anything of it because when I was four, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. But then my wife comes downstairs, sees this going on, and all hell breaks loose, mm-hmm. and I'm in mm-hmm. trouble. And I'm right. like, and I'm sitting there like, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. But, you know, everybody is raised differently. So the question I want to ask you, does that really, how much does that play into how people are raised, you know, for us, how you were raised? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I can tell you, um, my uh, mother was a pretty liberal uh, parent and my father a- a- as well. But, you know, of course, you know, developmental years, my mother had the most impact on me. My father had the greatest impact on me as a teenager. Um, and she was very liberal. So she did not prevent us from, you know, watching things, as you say. As a matter of fact, the first R-rated movie I went to was with my mother when I was about 10 years old. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. uh, went to see Dr. Shivago, actually, okay. um, uh, which was, of course, R-rated back then. It was a little different than R-rated now, yeah. obviously. But so, but I think the important thing is how she educated me. It wasn't just, with you know, to see something, but it was the education process with seeing it, you know, because in different cultures, um, what we consider, you know, negative, they consider just fine. So a part of it is how we, how we, how we let those things um, play out. Um, So when you look at, you know, is it too early to expose a child to something or or too late? Uh, I would say children ought to always be exposed to things based on the child's intellect, but also, and based on their understanding, you know, and again, I go back to the scripture, a child in the hand of a parent is like, a bow and arrow in the hand of a, of, of, of a strong man. And so the strong man has to know the, 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 how much tension he can place on the bow before it breaks. Mm-hmm. And the same way with a parent, you have to know how much tension you can place on a child before they, they break. But you also want to put enough tension on them that they remain flexible and that they remain strong. Uh, so, and, and that's how I, I look at it. I think one of the mistakes that we make now is that we try to give our children everything we did not have. I so said, I think that's our biggest problem, mm-hmm. and that we don't um, um, keep we don't we don't teach our children the value of what we give them. We just give it to them, right. and, and that raises an expectation is unrealistic. Yeah, I know my kids. They pretty much because I got everything that I you know that I ever thought of and wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, they get it, and then I start seeing the fact that after about. 10 minutes of playing with the $40 toy that, you know, the spent, mm-hmm. you know, they all fit, like I had the people say they're all playing in a box, you know, <laughs> right. you know, it's like they'd have no appreciation of everything. Mm-hmm. Now I don't get mad at them for that. Sure. You know, I, you know, at least I'm old enough and, and self-aware enough that I know I bought that because I knew I would have liked it, you know? Right. Well, see, I, I don't consider how you do is spoiling your children, to be honest with you, because 
your child, your children still have boundaries, you know, right. and, 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 and you don't give your child things because they demanded it. <laughs> you give yeah. your child things because you want them to have. See, I, I noticed that a lot of parents, what they will do is that they, they allow their children to demand things. And that's why they give them, you know, uh, so that what the child comes to appreciate is that I am in control rather than the parent being in control. And, and, and then, and, and some children will even then try to demand things from other adults uh, because they were able to demand them from their parent. Now, if the other adult um, checks the child, then the parent is upset because you check their child. Right. When in right. fact, they're checking, the, they're mad at the wrong person. Right. They should be angry with their child for disrespecting, you know, the adult. Uh, but it's because, again, we're teaching the child when you do that, you're teaching the child uh, that they don't have to show respect for their elders. They don't have to show respect for authority. And then we wonder down the road why the child is um, as uh, 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 the way they are and, and why the child um, has gone astray when we have really taught them uh, in a manner that allows them to go astray. Right. Now, since you, you you brought this up, you know, about checking, and I have noticed that when I talk to older people, they recall the days where, you know, the village raise a child with mm-hmm. a neighborhood, raise a child. Like if you was down the street and mm-hmm. you was doing something crazy and stupid that, you know, Miss Mary would come outside and maybe, maybe back then they would whip you. Mm-hmm. But even at the very least, they would tell your parents what went, went on. Right Now I get the feeling like if I was to see little Johnny down the street doing something he shouldn't be doing, even if I went outside and told him to stop, even in that moment, if the mother or the father was come outside, they would say, why are you talking to my child? And has that, do you think the change in culture has really affected how our kids are being raised now? Oh, a- absolutely. And it has had a negative effect. You know, I-, I will say that. And we see it in our schools. We see that wherever you go, you know, um, because um, parents today don't really, and, I, and I'm using, well, say, most parents, not all, but many parents today don't teach their children to have respect for adults. And a part of it, I think, may be because there's a fear that an adult may abuse the child or this kind of thing. Um, but uh, the idea that if you were to correct a child's negative behavior, that that should somehow cause a parent to get, up, get upset um, speaks to whether or not the parent really has the right kind of love for the child. And I know there's some parents who are not going to appreciate this, but if, if you really love your child, you should really want your child uh, to, to be able to receive criticism right. and, and, and not think that that's the worst thing in life to happen to them. Because the reality is when you become an adult, you will receive criticism. That's right. And you need to know how to accept criticism without anger, without lashing out. Uh, because just because someone criticizes you don't mean that you are bad necessarily. And it doesn't mean they are wrong for doing it. Uh, but it is always a good idea to be able to receive criticism from people so you can kind of self-check yourself and right. see where well, was my behavior out of line. So if a parent does not teach a child to do that, the child grows up thinking they never have to correct a bad behavior. Yeah. And, and then they're not coachable. They're not coachable. There are a lot of uh, young folk today who now are, you know, young adults that have these 
um, unreasonable expectations of other people, right. but none of themselves, because they expect everyone to cater to them and to their wants and, and their desires, but they don't do the same for other people. And a part of that is because of the way these children have been raised. And I think that it certainly is a sad situation. You know, I hear people say things like, well, um, you shouldn't you shouldn't spank the child. That's 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 child abuse. You shouldn't do this. That you you know you can't do time out. Uh, that's child abuse. Um, let me tell you what child abuse is. Child abuse is my child ending up in a detention facility right. uh, until they're eighteen years old. That's right. Child abuse is them being housed in an adult jail because they've done something that the state has determined is a felony. And so now they're getting raped two and three times a day because they're 16 years old in an adult jail. That's child abuse. See, but you're telling me I can't correct the child to prevent the child from going to jail. Uh, But then when you put the child in jail, you don't call that child abuse. That is the most idiotic thing I ever heard. Uh, Wouldn't it be better to correct the child early so they don't end up in jail than to let the child go to jail and get abused by adults and others. Yeah, it, it, it just makes makes too much sense. Yeah, you know, so this idea that all of a sudden we've gotten to a point where you cannot correct children, and if you do correct them, it's always considered child abuse. You know, let's look at the look at the reality of this of the statistics. When I was in. Let's go back. You go to the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. I mean, some of this before my time, but 50s, 60s, 70s, when it wasn't considered child abuse. Look at the incarceration rates and you will find they were much lower than they are now. Oh, yeah. Look at black on black crime. Look at crime in general. You'll find that those rates were much lower than they are now. Now, certainly economic conditions, people may say have a play, but let's face it. We've had economic downturns ever since we've been a society, a civilization. Right. You know, uh, we had downturns with during the Depression. Uh, you didn't have the kind of crime rates you have right now. You know, we've always had downturns in our economy. We had downturns during Pre- Nixon's administration. You didn't have the kind of crime rates we have now. The issue is uh, people feel like they're, they're, their sense of entitlement. And that sense of entitlement makes folk feel like, well, you know what? I have a right to have it now. And so if you won't give it to me, I'll take it. So what's the what's the best way that we that we can stop the the current trend of I see this a lot where, you know, the, the child is in school and and the, the principal calls the you know the mother up and then the mother is outside cussing out the principal for doing something to their child without even listening to the whole story. How do we get that this generation of parents that that are doing that to stop doing that and maybe just listen to what an other adult is trying to say on how to discipline the child? Well, and that's what I say. I think what it really boils down to are two things. Number one, we have a generation that themselves have very low self-esteem. Extremely low. When you really start talking to these parents, that's what you find. They themselves have low self-esteem. So therefore, they feel like everything that comes toward them is always an attack upon them. Mm. And so that's what causes them to feel the same way. You are attacking my child. What they're doing basically is that they're putting their own feelings 
on the child because that's how they would feel if someone said something about them. So a part of the problem is we have to help people to raise their self-esteem, help, help their self-worth, you know, be raised up so they can understand that just because someone corrects you, it does not mean you are worth less. In fact, what they're trying to do is improve your worth so you can be better. But if you already think you are not worth a lot, when people give you negative information or I should say corrective information, it tends to make you feel like you are not worthy of something. So that's a part of the thing is that we, we seem to tackle the problem from the wrong end. We tackle the problem from the child end, not thinking that the parent is the one that needs our help the most. Yeah. You know, when, when I would go speak at schools um, with the Sports Inside and Out program, Champion for Champions program, I would always have the parents come out from, you know, behind the stands or whatever and come mm-hmm. onto the floor, the gym floor, because I always felt that motivating kids by, by 15, 20 minutes after I get through talking, mm-hmm. they're, you know, it's gone. It's right. on to the next thing. But the parents is the ones, and I keep telling, I would tell them, you are the ones that's got to keep this going. Absolutely. After I get through giving my speech and giving them the motivation, you are the ones that's got to keep this going. So I start focusing on motivating them mm-hmm. to, you know, be a better person and improve. And so therefore, if they improve along with the kids, everybody, the whole family, it just, it just does better. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, just, it just makes such, you know, like I say, it makes such good sense. You know, if you, if you think about it, you know, again, um, the way we are as a society in general and, and how people feel about themselves, it really does reflect on how the child feels about, you know, themselves um, as, as, as well. And, and so from from that standpoint is that um, oftentimes what we do not do is that we do not approach um, our parents in a way that helps them feel like we are, it is a team, you know, that is a team and that we're on the team. But also I'll say this, some of it is misplaced love as well, uh, because a part of low self-esteem is the inability to really feel loved, you know, in a righteous way. And when you have parents that have come up feeling that way, then that misplaced love causes them to be overly protective of their child because they didn't get what they perceived as love. So they want to make sure that child gets all that love. Gotcha. And and so their thinking is to give that child all that love, I must protect them from everything. So if you call the parent up and say, hey, by the way, you know, um, they weren't paying attention in class today. And so their grades are dropping. And someone got to send a note home. Well, the, the parent jumps to defend the child. You know, uh, because they think, well, if I love my child, I got to defend them and everything. But no, you don't. You know, love does not mean defending you no matter what. Love sometimes requires you to allow a person to suffer the consequences of their actions. And in fact, there is no entity that can love us more than our Heavenly Father. No, it's no comparison. But yet our Heavenly Father allows us to suffer the consequences of our actions. Right. Even though he forgives us of our actions, we still suffer the consequences of our actions. And so, because that's a part of the learning process. You know, if, if, if you don't feel the heat from the fire, you'll keep right on touching it. <laughs> you, you're absolutely right. Like if you, if, if, that, if that stove is not hot, you'll keep right on doing it. That, you know, you just got to feel it. Yeah. And then once you get once you once you realize the consequences, you've suffered it. You say, you know what? 
I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, absolutely. There's no, it it does not show a lack of love to allow someone to recognize that there are consequences to actions. In fact, it shows love because only, only true love can, can, you know, is, is that character building kind of love. And that's how you help children build character is to help them understand that there are consequences to help them understand that there are boundaries. You know, I I watch some parents, uh, how they allow their children to talk to them as if they are the child and the child is the adult and, and how they can just demand things, you know, uh, all, all of us need boundaries. Now here's the irony of it. The average mother requires the child's father to have certain boundaries, but yet the child doesn't have to have any. Yeah. That that doesn't make sense. No, it don't. Or, or vice versa. You know, so how can I as a parent, let's say my child has no boundaries, you know, but the a grown up has boundaries. That makes no sense. It, you know, you would think, obviously the person that we would think has the most intelligence and the, mo- the, and the ability to uh, make decisions that will not harm them would be the adult, not the child. But we do the opposite. So we'll tell the the uh, the adult, you got boundaries. You can't say nothing about a child. Right. But the child can say anything to you because <laughs> the right. child has no boundaries. Right. And, you, and you tend to see that a lot in blended families, too. It, it, you know, I'm, I'm seeing it a lot in families where the um, the parents are... 35 and below. Yeah. I mean, that's typically where I'm seeing a lot of it at. Older parents don't seem to to, to do that. You know, they don't seem to. And, and some and parents who are, I say old school also, you mm-hmm. don't see that. Um, but you, 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 you just do. And, and you see it, you see it a lot again from, you know, in, in counseling, uh, different folk, you see it more in parents where, um, they have lived on the edge between middle class and poverty. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know that's where you see it on, on that cusp more. Most parents that I have noticed, and it's, and it's not a class thing per se. It's not based on class. What it's based on is that's why I say self esteem. Most people that are brought up in middle class neighborhoods have higher self esteems. Mm-hmm. You know, so but and a lot of times if you're brought in neighborhoods where you, you know, were in um, what we call the, P, you know, the PJs, you know, <laughs> right. you, you tend to have lower self-esteem. And 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 and, and so that kind of translates uh, on how you deal with your children, because you, I didn't have nothing, but I'm going to make sure my child has everything. You know, gotcha. Yeah. You, you know, when you got a, a, a seven year old walking around with iPhone and, and a hundred dollar pair of shoes. That's the most asinine thing I've ever heard of. Yeah. You, you know, it just makes zero sense. Uh, his, his, you know, my father was an extremely wise man, wasn't highly educated, very wise man. Whenever I would ask him for something, he would say something like this. I make X amount of dollars per hour. So that means I got to work X amount of hours to get what you asked me for. You really think I'm on? Uh, <laughs> you really think I'm going to put all that energy to doing that? Right, right. He, he helped me understand the value of things that he bought, you know, yeah. the, the value of it. And that made a, made a big difference. 
when you're giving a seven-year-old $200 sneakers, how do they understand the value of $200? Yeah, they, they don't. They don't. See, mm-hmm. see, they, see, they don't. So, so when you do things like, well, I didn't have, so I want them to have. See, we, our thinking is that is helping the child. That love, you know, I love them so much I'm helping them. Uh, no, you're not. You're hurting the child. They don't understand the value of money now. They don't understand what it took for you to get something and, and to them. And so they don't even value you as much as you think they would. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, switching uh, gears here a little bit, which is the, um, which uh, for us in parenting. Mm-hmm. Now, I have noticed too, uh, Pastor, that a lot of times the kids are not getting any other type of an adult talking to them in an authoritarian way mm-hmm. unless they're on a sports team or in a blended family. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about the latter, the blended family. Now, I don't have too much experience in this in this arena. And I know you've done a lot of counseling. Mm-hmm. How should... How should parents or, or the adults act towards the others, their spouses, kids that are not theirs and how to handle the best way to handle the baby mother or the baby daddy? Uh, that is uh, uh, a whole other podcast. A whole other <laughs> uh, but just in short, I'll say this, uh, uh, that uh, boundaries, boundaries, wrong term. How we're going to handle chastising should be established early on, you know, early on. And the non-biological parent um, really is the one that um, needs to be in a position so that the child knows that that person's authority is on equal footing as the biological parent. Now, it is the biological parent that has to make that crystal clear. Right. That's the one that has to make it crystal clear. You know, depending on the child's age, if child is, you know, a toddler, it's really not going to be an issue, you know. But if the child, let's say, is, you know, 12 years old, right, then that biological parent has to make that perfectly clear that this is the, this is the deal. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the, that the non-biological parent has to be the one to delve out the punishment. Right. But it has to be clear that if that non-biological parent brings something to the table, it will be treated as if the biological parent brought it to the table. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And, like, and like we said, because I got like a thousand other questions that can mm-hmm. go off on that one. We'll save that subject for a, another uh, topic. I think that'll be a great topic to cover. Because I, I really do believe there's something that that is not necessarily covered too much when they're really thinking about blending the family together when they get married. It's like, uh-oh. Now we got this to go, and then you got that drama and everything in there. So it'll be sure. a really good topic to cover. So we're now in October, which I mentioned before, and mm-hmm. Halloween is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. So a lot of parents that's in the church are saying, okay, I enjoy Harv- Harvest Fest, but now my child says they want to be Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, one wants to be a zombie. One wants to be a Navy SEAL mm-hmm. and they want to go out and get candy at Halloween. Mm-hmm. The kids are not looking at Halloween as, you know, as what you see on the Internet or what you see some pastors call Halloween. So, Pastor, since I got you here and, mm-hmm. I, and this and by the way, this is a question that was brought up by a member of the congregation. Mm-hmm. 
She said, I wanted to hear pastor's opinion about Halloween and should we partake in it or shouldn't we? Well, you know, there's nothing biblical that would suggest that going out and trick or treating is is an issue. Um, yeah, sometimes, you know, we, as, as Jesus said, we will strain at a net and swallow the camel. You know, you know, we we tend to um, let our imaginations get the best of us. Here's the deal. The issue is, am I worshiping Satan? That's the issue. Am I worshiping Satan? Am I worshiping a God other than my creator? The Bible says that thou shalt have no other God before me. Right. So when I went trick-or-treating as a child, I was not worshiping Satan. Nor was I worshiping candy. But right. I certainly wanted to get some. Right. So if I'm taking my child out, knocking, you know, door to door, you know, trick or treat, you know, because I do give out candy on, right. on Halloween. But there's no Satan worship in that process. So that's the issue. The issue is, are we trying to worship a demonic force and that kind of thing? And if that's not what's going on, then it's perfectly OK um, um, to do it. The idea of costumes. I know some people, same thing. Well, what kind of costumes uh, should I wear? Again, it's a costume, right? So <laughs> right. let's just say, you know, somebody may say something like this. Well, um, but I don't want my child dressing up like a demon. What does a demon look like? Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, I mean I guess, what does a demon look like? And which we covered in, the, in one of the past right. episodes. So. Uh, and 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 so you know how do we dif- how do you differentiate between what Lucifer Satan looks like? Now here's the irony of it. Here's what the Bible says about Lucifer: that Lucifer is a beautiful angel. Right. So, yeah, that's what the Bible says that the Lucifer was a beautiful angel. He didn't get kicked out of heaven because he was ugly. Right. He got kicked out of heaven because he was defiant. <laughs> Right. You know, and right. so if, if if Lucifer was an angel and the other fallen angels are demons, why do I assume that the ones who are fallen look different than the ones who stayed up there? Is you know, did God did they get mad because they was ugly, and that's right. why God kicked them out because <laughs> right. they was right. kicking out all the ugly angels? You know, right. and that you know when you really think about it from that standpoint. So you know, again. And if I'm wearing a Batman costume, well, that, that's not devil worship to wear a Batman costume. Right. It's not devil worship to wear a Superman costume. So where did where did the devil worship part come from? Well, you know, I guess it really wasn't necessarily devil worship, but what we get caught up in is the witch, witches and the goblin thing, you gotcha. know, and, and 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 a part of the the whole issue with the witch hunts of Salem and, and all those kind of things. Um, they had the same issue with the Harry Potter books too, right? Yeah, it's, it's the same thing with Harry Potter and and all a lot of the fantasies that you know that kids grow up with, you know, Casper the Friendly Ghost, you know. Right. I mean, um, uh, when I was a kid, that's that's what we watched. And I didn't consider Casper the Friendly Ghost to be, you know, a, Demonic. Yeah, even though you had the good ghosts and you had the bad, bad ghosts, ghosts, right? Yeah, you know, right. Um, but it's always that play on, on on good and evil. So, you know, here's what the scripture says um, regarding um, sin and so forth. You know, in in the Book of Acts, the issue came up of well, what should we teach these Gentiles? And and here's what um, they 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 agreed upon at the at the Jerusalem Council that they should abstain from meat given to idols. 
Okay, because that meant you were worshiping a God other than the creator. Right. And that you should, you know, flee fornication. It, it doesn't say thou shalt not go out and trick or treat. Right. It just doesn't say you should not go get candy from your neighbor. You know, so again, now if if I'm if what I'm doing is teaching my child to worship Satan, then I am wrong. I should not do that. Right. They're perfectly clear that. That's not, I shouldn't do that. But if my only intent is to have fun with my child and go out door to door and trick or treat, because it's called trick or treat. It's not called worship the devil. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Um, then that there's that's nothing wrong. Um, there's nothing in the Bible that I can find that would cause us to cause God to be upset with us because we do that. You know, um, I, I watch scary movies. I don't think God mad at me, you know, because right. I mean, sometimes I'm laughing at the movies because they're really not scary to me, but you know, but if, 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 if trick or treat is bad, then that would mean I should never watch a scary movie because I'm still doing the same thing. I'm right. watching something that someone says is scary. Right. Now I'm going to tell you something and, and the listeners too. After the podcast we had about the, the angels and demons and everything, it messed me up. Cause now when I watch a horror movie, mm-hmm. They ain't scared no more. <laughs> Completely changed my whole outlook on things. And me and my wife went to Hollow Scream and uh, at Bush Gardens. Mm-hmm. You know, other than the actual people just jumping out of the, right, out the right. corner, the surprise, right? Surprise! <laughs> I won't. I wasn't scared of like in you know getting in deep depth mm-hmm. of the whole theme that they got going on. Right. You know, it was just it's amazing. I just wanted to tell you that that it, it's it's funny how things how you get a different perspective on things. The Bible says the truth. <laughs> It it, it, it it gives you a sense of freedom. <laughs> yeah, it, it did. Yeah. Like now we're hearing noise downstairs in the house. I, yeah, like, okay, you know, I know he's yeah. a burglar, and, and now I know it definitely ain't no ghost. Right. So right. I was going downstairs and find out what it is, or go roll back over, go back to sleep. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, uh, Dr. Daniels. Do you have anything else like to bring? Uh, no. I, all I say to people is that listen, enjoy yourself, love yourself, love your neighbor, and just remember. Um, that your your child is not a little person. Don't treat them like a little adult. <laughs> treat them like a child. Nurture them, love them, bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Yes, and we will, everybody, have that episode very soon on blended families. Thank y'all so much. Till next time.